0: to burn and return a weekly 1 hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries what is going
1: on
0: welcome to <laughs> burn and return how about that you like that i needed to i just some. that was, it out some, of that was some that
2: was some steven tyler like uh early 90s I think. when he was coming down off the drugs and like just getting back into it like he would really cratered out at that point so you just brought me back to that point in my life so thank you for doing that how are is you guys
0: it? i'm great i gotta i gotta divert here for a second steven okay. tyler L- loving an elevator yeah is that not a great song yes that is an excellent How much song. Of that era of Aerosmith was life-changing. I mean, because for me, those were my formative years. And man, it just, I, I, it still comes on today. Really, any Aerosmith from that song, slow song, fast song, ballad, doesn't matter. I'm in it. Hell oh,
2: yeah. I, I, I've said this before, and I think we had a discussion about it. Oh, at one point or another, on one of our shows. but the. The responsibility that we used to have, right? We used to create mixtapes. Now all these kids today, they make a, you know, like a, a playlist or whatever. It's too easy. Like, remember when you had to go actually do the work to put together the, the playlist, convert all your MP3s over to WAV files, and then burn it onto a CD? Like, that took yes. effort. Now, yes. imagine the responsibility. If you've got a 12-track mix that you're going to make for spending some special time with that old lady that you got when you're in high school, or young lady, I guess, Old lady, if you're in Florida, because that's the way they do it down there. Um, But the responsibility that you have to make sure all those 12 tracks flow right, the pacing's right, like all that stuff. You finish on a good note that she can cuddle together after the act, all that stuff. I'm telling you what, Matt Martin, Rayita, right now, you can put Aerosmith in pretty much any one of those slots, 1 through 12, and it's going to be fine. That period of Aerosmith, yes. You can do it. I just think it works. So if you need a 12-track bang mix, highly encourage you to check out Aerosmith, right? We get no paid advertising from them, but they should though. They should.
0: You also need Welcome to the Jungle. That's got to be on there too, right? Oh, Appetite for Destruction, yeah. You're gonna die! die, 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 die. That's what I always uh, scream before I make love.
3: Don't don't let this face fool you. Yeah, don't let this face fool you, but... uh, I was actually into, and still am into, poison, Guns N' Roses, and White Slayer. Snake. Oh boy! And Slayer, and Slayer. I, so I so you know, a, a bad day. Uh, the bad day for me was when I found out that Johnny Kitten passed away. That was not That's a good a day, day for me.
2: Uh, t- Tony Katan. Katan, yeah. Tawny Katan, this is no BS, right? So she was living in Ohio with a her husband who is a major league baseball pitcher. Big dude, like mm-hmm. probably like six four, pretty ripped. She beat the living shit out of this guy. Tawny Katan Oops, What did. Alleg- and happened? allegedly she was she was stone sober. Ah, there was some maybe a, a little bit of the Tiger Woods Elon Norgren thing, except Old Chuck Finley, who was the pitcher that I'm talking about, couldn't get into the Escalade fast enough, and she went <laughs> off on him with her shoes. I think she beat him with the, with the shoes. Oh, that takes me back to that takes me back to a total like linking here. But remember, uh, Wayne's World Two and Aerosmith was in that one. Like they fe- mm-hmm. they were featured fairly prominently at the end, and they had that weird character, Del Preston. I don't know why this is all coming back to me, but he's like. You know, he at the middle of the movie, he's telling the story. He's like, we had to beat them to death with their own shoes. And that, Ray, <laughs> is our link to death tonight. So all the way around Aerosmith, back to beating somebody with their shoes all the way to death. I don't know. that That's where we're at right now. So an interesting opening. I just want to ask Ray, though, since this mm-hmm. is burn and return. It's been a week, right? And Sheila settled up her debt, right? With the, you know, the deductible of the... <laughs> <Yeah. A> deductible
3: <laughs> was there
2: any was there any return of the burn afterwards or are we good
3: I think we're good good I think we're good yeah I think we're good. I think we're, very, we're we're better than good because this more that I'm getting is probably going to be better than the one I had because I don't have to hack into the frame to get the bolt type height adjuster and I get the carbide disc groomer on the mower already. You see, I'm going to be giving some hell to the Zoetia lawns. I'm going to put the groomer down into it and have it cutting in at about 50%
2: well all this means to me ray is that you're when when this moon mower does arrive and you start mowing with it and everything like that you're going to be mowing in sweatpants for at least the first couple of months until you you know get used to it because don't be so actually, constrained by those those levi's right
3: actually actually i'm not a i'm not a levi's uh people that know lands End, me, lands End. no no people Yellow that bean. know me mistake me for they ask me literally are you some kind of a cowboy? Because mine is always the classic Wranglers. Crap, I see. Mine is always the mine is always the classic Wranglers, and uh, so they yeah. Are you are you a cowboy? I said no, not a cowboy, but it's like your jeans your though. You don't usually see those on people, and I said, well, they're the only ones that make my damn size.
2: Hey, Wranglers. I was gonna say two things we know Ray's a fan of: high spray volumes and Brett Favre. That's it,
1: right there. <laughs>
0: Ray, if you were down south, everyone would ask you, "Are you a frat boy with your flannel shirt and your Wranglers on?" I'm just saying.
3: Well, actually, I don't. I don't. I I only wear these shirts when I'm lounging around the house. Otherwise, wear them I'm a little more dressed. No. Not out in public. I'm a little more dressed oh, up out outside. Have mercy. Yeah, I'm a little the, more dressed up. The flannel
0: out. and public crew represent. I'm, I'm just saying. Let, gentlemen, okay. let's yeah. jump into the headlines. Let's see, let's see what absolutely. we can do sure. um, absolutely. Today. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Nothing to fear here. This is just the marsh. I kind of switched this up here, and I'm going to start with this one. A group groups sue epa for allowing use of deadly pesticide for 15 more years this is coming out of san francisco california shocker today farm worker groups environmentalists, and health organizations represented by earth justice sued the epa for approving the continued use of the deadly pesticide dum 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 araquat which has been linked to parkinson's disease Paraquat is currently banned in 32 countries, including member states of the European Union, where the chemical is actually manufactured and exported, and China. In July, EPA reapproved the pesticide's registration for another 15 years. Paraquat is one of the most widely used herbicides in the United States, used on co- crops like grapes, almonds, soybeans, cotton, and more. Its use has grown dramatically in recent years, doubling between 2012 and 2017, despite its serious health, health risks. Paraquat is acutely toxic when ingested, and even one small dose can be fatal. The EPA determined that exposure to paraquat can damage the respiratory system, kidneys, and eyes, but EPA's final approval abandoned a proposed ban on most aerial applications of paraquat, leaving farm workers who work in the fields exposed to unreasonable risks. Gentlemen, I could go on here, and it talks about how, uh, let's see here. Let me Let me read one of those farm workers de- and this is this is a quote from the president of farmworker justice bruce, uh, bruce goldstein here farm workers designated as essential workers who are, are expected to continue working during the pandemic to ensure our nation's food security continue to experience unnecessarily dangerous working conditions including exposure to highly toxic pesticides our food system should not subject farm workers and their children to exposure to pesticides such as paraquat we are asking the court to do what the EPA should already have done ban paraquat I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Are we seeing an increased use of paraquat because of tighter uh, uh on glyphosate? And also, how much of this is also a, a result of glyphosate resistance? Let's kind of throw
2: those out uh,
3: there.
2: <laughs> you take the resistance part, Ray, and I'll go with the other side. Go for it.
3: Okay. The reason why paraquat use has jumped in recent years is because there are a wide variety of weeds such as pigweed and mare's tail that are literally resistant to astronomical rates of glyphosate and yep. paraquat and diquat are key resistance breakers because I myself I tend to use a lot of Diquat because I encounter a lot of glyphosate-resistant weeds in my my line of work. So, you know, going back uh, 30 years, I still remember the tank mix that my grandfather used to use on field edges. That was uh, Paraquat plus diuron, And that just... uh, Created bare ground, and the ground <laughs> stayed bare for up to a year.
2: <laughs> Down to the mantle of the Earth, right? Like mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> no, nothing growing <laughs> it whatsoever.
3: Dirt. It was dirt.
2: <laughs> you know, on the I guess the safety side, right? We know we know what paraquat is and how dangerous can be. You know, acutely toxic is. A very simplistic way of saying that this is some very it's very understatement. It's under, the, the it's very very, very powerful <laughs> stuff. Very, I'm going to look that up real quick while we're talking what the LD fifty of air is. But while we are talking here, this is good.
0: I was just going to say, fun fact: it is one of the leading methods of suicide uh, in South America, I believe. Oh, uh, you told is, you told. Yeah, this is a topic at one paraquot. point. Ingestion. Yeah. Heavy, heavy subject, mm-hmm. but, you know, just kind of a fact that's out there or
2: maybe, a, maybe uh, maybe that's
0: in, uh, in Asia. First up radio talk. Yeah, this
2: is a terse no, radio
3: talk. Matt, this was this is actually a popular method of suicide in India, Asia and the Pacific Islands as well. Like, yeah, you know, I think Fijian, maybe one some, of the
0: articles I read, some was uh, maybe out of the Philippines or something. It was, uh, but and but the I Philippines,
3: mean, and the Philippines too. Yes, ah, oh, man, and, but, no, and no what good, a, what, and no, and what a gruesome I'm gonna, way to die. I am going to so give gruesome. you
2: a. It's Korea is is one of the is is one of the leading countries in the world. I am going to give you a a terrible fact. Are you ready for this? They sure. analyze this. This is from. Uh, yeah, 60 to 70% mortality, right? So, how would you like to be in the 30 or 40% that ingest this and make it?
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay. Here's what happens to the people. 60, 70% is not enough. That's not, that's not okay. enough for me. Ryan, yeah. let me explain to yeah. you what the 30% have to do. They mm-hmm. get lung transplants, they get liver transplants, and they get kidney transplants because all of those organs are totally destroyed. Oh, I bet. No, that's what they have to look forward to. Because paraquat is just an odd substance in that it has an affinity towards those organs, and once it gets into those organs, it just causes very targeted cellular destruction.
0: Does there need to be a bigger campaign to, like, educate people against paraquat, Or is this just a a matter of farmers being like, listen, I understand the risk and I'm going to continue to use it. And the EPA is like, well, it's we're pretty transparent about how dangerous of a uh, and toxic of a chemical this is. But, you know, we we put this into the hands of the farmer to make the decision instead of us making the decision. Let them choose which direction they shall
3: track. Actually, I, I you know what I think it is. In the case of resistant weeds, there are literally no good viable alternatives for using paraquat because this is a common use scenario for paraquat. It is most commonly used as a pre-plant burn down, like when mm-hmm. a field is a week before being planted into the crop, and there's emerged weeds. 16 ounces of paraquat concentrate per acre and 24 hours later that field is ready for planting
1: yeah the weeds are Uh, crispy
3: in less than a day
2: this is the thing too that you know comes with the territory of oh hey you know glyphosate dangerous active right we we can't touch it you know, it's been linked mm-hmm. to cancer. There's, you know, it, it's a uh, possible carcinogen, all this and that. And here's my question back to you, Matt. And I understand that you're just, you're just, you know, riffing on this. But why why the acceptance of Paraquat, right, of the EPA to say, hey, you know, it is, you, you're applying this to your own risk. We understand what the risks are. And so do you. So go for it. Why not the same treatment for glyphosate? Other than, well, here's the you know, thing: this the, the EPA large has been verdict. You know, I was going to say
0: that the, the EPA has been incredibly fair towards glyphosate, and they've been staunch defenders of glyphosate. It's the IARC and uh, the the ambulance chasers that have driven uh, the glyphosate reputation into the territory it is. You know, mm-hmm. now back to Paraquat. You, you know in I think the EPA I don't know. I can't speak for the EPA. I have no idea what goes on in those meetings, you know. This is so far outside of my my realm of what I know and what I understand. But I feel like the the EPA's role uh from a government perspective is just to to be able to state hazards, concerns, conduct significant testing to show you uh mammalian toxicity, avian toxicity, all these different parameters, right, to give us the applicator the the decision-making tools we need uh, to, to make competent decisions while we're out in the field, right? They provide us the data to do that. Ultimately it's our responsibility to choose what is going to work for us most effectively best. Right. And, and so is it the EPA's, uh, uh role to say, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do that. Uh, if you're using it within the confines that they established, that being the label, right? They're the ones who sign sure. off on the label and so the, the label is the law. That's the law is that there is an appropriate use case scenario for it, but you have to use it within these parameters. Is it really their responsibility to go beyond that and then say, you know what, blah, 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 we're getting rid of it. Uh, because even if you use it within these acceptable use rate tolerances and it's uh, uh, relatively safe to use it within these tolerances, uh, we we don't trust you can take care of yourself or handle your shit or appro- apply appropriately. Therefore, uh, we're just going to ban it because we don't trust you. I don't know. You you know, I I don't know. You you know me. I'm I'm a big, you know, keep the government out of my life kind of sort of guy, right? But um, I could see where one could make the argument that it's just too toxic. It's too dangerous. Don't do it. And um, and I just, I really don't have the answer on this. I know that if I was a farmer and I needed to use
3: Paraquat, I'm going to use it if
0: I needed to. You know what I mean?
3: Sure. Sure. Sure, because believe it or not, I think I told you folks before, in another time, I used to handle gallons of paraquat, and I'm still around. And no, I don't have Parkinson's disease. But that is because the understanding was if this got into you or on you, you might not live. Okay? Personally, I think it's it's all
2: the biscuits. Soaking up the Paraquat in your bloodstream, sir. That's where
1: I'm at.
3: <laughs> but, but what I'm saying about this all is we already know that this is a potentially—no, it is a lethal poison that has no antidote. But it is probably a very good tool for what it's being used for because— this is the basis, for example, of what's called no-till farming. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. No-till farming. Now, yeah, what no-till farming is, is rather than rototilling or plowing, you plant cover crops, right, for the winter, like they use ryegrass as a cover crop during the winter on farmland, and then in the spring. Burn down with Paraquat plus a pre emergent, and then plant your corn or your soybeans into that residue. And you know, you cannot do the same thing with glyphosate because, for a grower, glyphosate is slow. And when you apply glyphosate as a burn down, you need to give yourself seven to 14 days. And immediately after application, you're literally at the mercy of the weather because early on, I also remember this about paraquat. My grandfather told me something like, don't worry if it rains the night that the paraquat went down because the weeds are still going to die. You can't say the same about glyphosate. If it rains soon after you've applied your, your Roundup or your glyphosate, oops, your application just went down the drain. (laughs) So it is just a vital tool for agriculture.
0: And that's why I'm going to sidestep this and not, uh, you know, I'm not going to go too harsh one way or another because it can be incredibly dangerous, but it's such a vital tool at the same time. Right. And like Mm. I said, I think it, it, I think the decision lies with the applicator. Um, I don't think there's any applicator that, that has uh, decided to make this a career that doesn't make those conscious decisions every week of do I put on PPE? Do I not put on PPE? Do I choose to go out with 2,4-D amine or do I choose to go out with MCPA amine? You know, you, you all these things start to go through your head as you learn more and more about the herbicide you apply. And I think that is the responsibility. That, that decision-making is a responsibility of the applicator not the government but again that's from my jaded point of view and you know others may not have that same conclusion and that's fine too
2: yeah the only thing i'll say go oh go ahead go ahead go ahead.
0: no you go you go ahead you go ahead you go ahead
2: i want to hear no the last thing i was going to say is just that they you know they talk about putting workers in a bad position right not necessarily as applicators but the people that are handling you know these crops and whatnot that they're growing um for harvest or whatever the case might be and the fact of the matter is this is endemic of of all agricultural in general right is that there's a lot of stuff right in the sausage making that people don't care don't want to know about right and have pushed aside for decades and it's gotten to your door right because you can get bananas for you know two bucks for a bunch or whatever you know stupid low prices on on this stuff you know, if we really want to push forward and make things safer, then there's gonna there's gonna be a very real toll, right, in terms of price. And just like we were talking about before the show about, you know, uh, telecom companies and them passing on you know cost upfront to people. It's it, it would be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I'm not saying necessarily like straight up organic stuff, but uh, I, I think there's a middle ground there of Reduced risk to everybody if it can be done, but is the market going to bear that price? And that we just don't know. So we'll find out. All right, Matthew onward.
0: Update interstate 70 East reopened in Belmont (laughs) County after crash. Uh, in St. Clair's interstate 70 is open again. Thank goodness. I was worried about it, but Oh, Oh, a dump truck came to a stop as it attempted to enter the highway and was struck from behind by a pickup truck. Waddell said the pickup truck spilled 200 gallons of weed killer onto the roadway when the collision occurred. According to Waddell, the Cumberland Trail Fire District, Belmont County Emergency Management Agency, and Ohio Department of Transportation. Uh, responded along with patrol. He said the Ohio EPA was contacted as well. Cleanup of the weed killer was the main reason for the long delay rerouted traffic to the city on US-40, Waddell said. He noted sand was used to soak up the potentially hazardous material and then swept off the (laughs) roadway.
2: Gentlemen, Uh, this is
0: hilarious. First off, Ryan, when we were talking about this before, you were talking about it. Is this concentrate or is this dilute? Uh, and this is clearly uh, this is diluted material because look at the cleanup method. Hey, we're just going to put a little sand on it and then sweep it from here to there. Call it good. That's that's
2: that's total. That's a total Ohio move right there. They learned that at the uh, Tennessee School of Unfucking Stuff. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that was yeah, that was a class of 2019. Maybe 2018. I don't know if that's how they were still teaching it back then. All right, now, what do you think it is now? It's you know, it's not sand. It's probably, hey, man, I got this extra pine bark mulch at my house. I'm going to run down over there, and we'll get it. It's going to soak it up. Good. It's going to soak it up like a little sponge, and little nuggets. We'll just sweep them off into the trees, and it'll look like mulch on the forest floor. You never know. Now, here's my thing. Just say this was true green. Right, and the uh, poor guy like you know the, I know about where they're talking about, and there's some weird merges there and stuff like that. This is now uh, two and a, two two and a half hours east of me, but still in ohio last exit in Ohio before you get into West by God Virginia, and uh I'm just wondering it said it reopened about eleven thirty, so let's just say this happened about nine, you know, like when this guy's supervisor from True Green, assuming it was, I'm not- saying it was, I don't know, gets there, he probably to- said the tech, you know, hey. Are you okay? All right. Good news is if you if you're okay, here's another truck. Still gonna need you to get out there and get that thousand dollars done today. <laughs> see you. See you later.
1: <laughs>
2: you know that happened. Not like hey, you can go home for the day, maybe you relax your nerves. I'm sorry this happened to you. Not like we're getting that production goal like now. You're already two hours behind. So,
0: you, oh wait, real quick, you forgot the part. You got to go take a drug test first, then get back out there. Uh, <laughs>
3: that's for insurance purposes.
0: Ray, what I can't I can't remember. Is it FIFRA that regulates that if you have a spill over a certain amount of gallons, you have to report it, whether it's concentrate or diluted material? Um, I I remember. I I feel like I remember this from something in uh, my pesticide applicator exam, but I I could be. Let's see here. Maybe wrong in that. Yes, it's 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 something like that. I want to say it's like if it's five gallons or less, you know, you don't need to report it. If it's over five gallons, you need to report it. Or if you can't contain it up to a certain amount of gallons, gallonage, you need to report it. I don't recall specifically Uh what it is. There is something in
1: FIFRA, but I'm looking for. Go ahead, Ray. I think Ray says.
2: It says 20, uh, oh, I'm seeing something here, 25 gallons is, uh, uh, no, and some places are saying, so Florida, it says 25 gallons, Michigan, it's greater than five gallons or 100 pounds, right? So, and again, I don't know if that's dilute or concentrate, so. I,
3: bu- I believe it's uh, all dilute, you know, <clears throat> However, I cannot think of anything more hazardous to do than to be riding around town with more than a few gallons of pre-mixed product versus, you know, various oh, right. concentrates that I, that I can keep very secure oh, right. in case of an accident. <laughs>
1: oh,
2: right. Uh, Boy, Matt, you want to you 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 tell him?
1: Man,
3: I mean, not,
0: not even my. I used to brawl around with thirteen hundred gallons, mm-hmm. thirteen hundred gallons of dilute material in a tanker behind the truck because you got a job to get done and you're going to go get it done. That was back. Let me ask like you a four question: gallon per thousand square feet days too.
2: Let Let me ask you something: how many How many times did they ever talk about load shift with your True Green truck? Oh, you ever hear Lord about guys have getting
0: mercy? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it gets to swaying in there and it'll, and, and you you feel it too. There's no doubt about it. All right. I'll get, I'll, I'll tell you a story I have here one time. Um, <laughs> I had gotten this, uh, the, so when Azuzu, the cab overs, they started releasing a few gas ones, right? I, I guess it was GMC or someone that started releasing these gassers. And I, and I got one. And, um, I'm not going to say specifically where I was at the time, but, um, <laughs> I was, I was new in this, in this part of town and I'm riding around in this thing. And, uh, the car in front of me, like pulled out right in front of me and then slammed on the brakes to make a left turn into a parking lot or something of the sort. And so I had to slam on my brakes and I'm, I'm driving to my first stop of the day and I make it to a complete stop. And then you feel the weight of, and I'm holding 800 gallons. You feel the weight of 800 gallons come forward. And it blew the top off of my tank, right? You know, the, the mm. threaded tank lids that you hot ha- have. Sure. It blew it right off. And you just heard all over the back windshield of this GMC. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I get out, throw it in the park, you know, go run down the damn tank lid, get up there and put it up and took an estimate of what it spilled. And I came up with somewhere around like 1.3 gallons I uh, had spilled out of the tank. And, uh, and you know, we, we had to roll on, but, um, it was, it was a pretty interesting experience, you know? I mean, Hey, tank shift is a real thing. Oh,
2: well, I know. I'm just, yeah. it, uh, yeah, I've seen some bad accidents over the years with that, not necessarily from true green, but from other companies that would just say their onboarding program is here's this mirror.
1: Can you fog it? Okay. We're good. Mhm. Walk that way. Drive here next. Go for it. See you later. Great form. It's Great form. Yeah.
0: Uh right I it I know it would uh, freak you out, but uh you know, one day no, one day you would just it, need to come down and just ride around with me and uh and No, we'll and not, not
3: only would it, it freak me out, uh it would cause all kinds of issues because in my state, it is extremely <laughs> discouraged for anybody to ride around preloaded.
1: It is legally what, discouraged.
2: We need to write the CBS and get Ray on Undercover Boss for an episode with, with True Green. That would be amazing. Get Ray all disguised up. Man, you look really look like the green dog from YouTube. No sir,
0: <laughs> not here. Uh, listen. This next article here. This is pretty interesting. Uh, Ocean Pines evaluating turf grass for geese control measure. Ocean Pines officials are exploring the use of a specialty turf grass to deter geese. Director Tom Janisik, board liaison for the Environmental and Natural Assets Advisory Committee, presented the Ocean Pines Association Board of Directors with a proposal to test flight turf low-maintenance turf grass at the Northgate Pond. He said the product is made to deter wildlife, including geese and deer. In 2018, the association brought in officials from the USDA to euthanize nearly 300 Canada geese, Canadian geese in an effort to mitigate problems relating to excrement and environmental pollution. That decision, however, pissed people off protesting the wholesale slaughter. "Quote unquote," in his remarks last week, Janice said the advisory committee had explored all alternatives in dealing with the community goose problem. That research, he said, led them to flight turf. While the turf grass comes at a high cost twenty six hundred dollars an acre, he said it was drought resistant and required less maintenance. All right, who here has done some research into flight turf? Anybody? I, we there there was something that we used that
2: was very similar wow, back in my previous job that um it 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 didn't work that well but jping uh, so i i wanted to dive into this a little bit more because i know there were some claims made and things said and all that kind of stuff and so there actually was a really good study that came out oh about 8 9 years ago let's yeah let's throw this up so they were testing uh turf types these are you know they talk about forage qualities here but Talking about turf types of these different species. Okay, so basically, what they found was that Kentucky bluegrass, uh, bent grass, and fine fescue were some of the, the the biggest ones that geese liked. And there's another slide here. We'll just show that that'll bear out. But I want you to look at the oh here. Okay, show this one real quick. So I like this uh, number of geese per plot. But then look at the ray, the bill contacts per minute. Who do you think the poor sob was that had to sit there with the clicker and be like oh he's going down again he's going down again he's going down again
3: yep yeah you know? I, I can just imagine but i can very well tell you that you know when uh you look at that R- right the, real quick uh, other table look, other table yeah we're going to go back to it. that in a minute yeah i
2: believe look it at this look, look at look at kentucky bluegrass though in the experiment too that's uh, like a linda lovelace video right there that's intense. Yeah, eighty-one point seven mm-hmm. bill. Yeah,
1: or even That's common Bermuda.
3: Yeah, common buffalo Bermuda, grass bent. too. Yeah, bent. Uh yeah, they were all all over it, and but yeah, yeah. I mean, the next, uh, in terms go back of to- uh, not not being attractive, centipede mat. <laughs> No,
2: seriously, centipede was Ray. one, one Stop was one of the ones it was one of the ones that they said you should look into. Back up to the previous slide there, J Pink if you would please. Now look at the crude protein in our yeah, in our winners here. That
0: that is what is uh is
3: looks huh? in, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah so find the crude fine. protein. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Be- go ahead, Ray.
3: Yeah, because uh what I know about Zoisha is that it is undesirable as livestock forage because of the low protein content, and it just has a texture that, in addition to destroying moors, I guess it's not not very palatable to livestock either. Because I'm looking at the protein and also the you know, the, the balance between the moisture and the protein content, and so it's just a lot of water, but it's a, but it's fairly low protein,
1: and also, it's a matter of
3: texture and taste as well.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure, Ray.
0: Tell me about how much time you've spent tasting zucchini grass. I'm just
1: curious.
3: <laughs> well. None, but I'm just like watching what the horses and the cows and the goats you know actually uh, gravitate towards. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't do it. I, I mean, I, I let the, the four-legged ones uh, pick their preferred, and uh, I know for a fact that with landowners, you know what their nightmare scenario is? is if emerald Zoisha contaminates their pasture land. Uh ah, mm. it sucks for them. Uh, I Real like quick,
1: to go ahead, go ahead. No, just
2: roll roll down to this other thing. I want to show this to Matt. The this the where are you at here? That same slide, right with the crude protein there. J. slide down to the bottom, scroll over to the right. Look at the uh, silicon content in our desirable versus undesirable. So are undesirable, high, 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 in silicon. Yeah. So there you go. There's 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 a, there's a
0: draws some ire of uh, potentially some some management strategies to help uh, decrease the favorability of these of these um, these geese. Well, that's assuming that silica alone is the uh, is a driving determinant factor between you know, keeping wildlife on or off your grass, right? Still, if you're rocking at uh, what you know, what is it, thirty percent crude protein in or twenty, you know, twenty to thirty percent crude protein, they still, regardless of silica content, may be all friggin' over it. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you do look at you know, zoysia, you know, your tall fescue, uh, buffalo grass, that's a that's an interesting one, buffalo grass, right? But
1: it, it, that mm-hmm. you know, buffalo grass doesn't necessarily make a good playing surface, though, would it? No. I didn't think so. Not at all. Does anybody know what kind of turf type flight turf is? So
2: there's a a look at Lime Turf, L L Y M E. They also have a sister company that this is meant to deter um like deer and stuff like that. And they Mm mention in there that it's a it's a combination of like hard, creeping red, and chewing fescue, I think. Which doesn't really bear out because the data says the fine fescue is not necessarily the uh, the rib eye, ray, but it's a nice sirloin. You know, mm-hmm. it eats. It
1: eats.
3: It eats. It eats.
1: Right? Have you ever turned just, down a sirloin? It's amazing. Oh man! Uh,
3: actually, <laughs> I have. I have. Wow. I mean, from Western I, I, I'm, I, Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a steak snob. I'm a definite steak snob because you know, I I'm not a fan. Take it of, back. Take it back. Yeah. I'm not a pet fan of sirloin, T Bone, or Porterhouse. I mean, you'll make me a happy man if it's a rib or a New York strip. All right.
2: All right. Okay. Keep that <laughs> keep that in my back pocket. Keep that in my back pocket. So um yeah, this this was something that was interesting because, I, like I said, I've seen these products marketed, right? But this is the first one where I was like, you know what? I got to know more. And sure enough, the good people, I'm not sure where. Let me look up and see where this study is. I'll throw a link up so people can read it if they so choose. But like I said, I just thought it was interesting that somebody dove this deep into it. It's a USDA-funded study.
0: They're talking about using it at airports and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. It uh, looks like a, uh, ATS is a distributor of it. Uh, I see they have a press release in Landscape Management Magazine. Um, you know, so they're, I mean, they're, uh, they're trying. Yeah. I, like I said, we
2: it was uh, my previous employer. We tried it at a place that had per capita, like some of the most high geese populations anywhere in the state.
1: And... Yeah, it didn't work that well. Well, we'll I think, I think, I think, think, yeah,
2: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just, I'd be curious to learn more and how even within those species, right? Like if they can get cultivar specific, I think that would be another interesting one too.
0: So yeah, I wonder if we go. that's actually what they're doing. And I, I'm sorry, I'm beating a dead horse here, but are they just going out and selectively choosing genetics that fall within their parameters and throwing it into a bag and calling it like a specialty bred product? Or you see what I'm saying? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah, are no, they no, taking it's stuff It's it, already out there, blending yes, it and calling yes, it brand new. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm out. Yes. I'm 100% pretty out. sure. I'm over it. Next article here is a $5.9 million ransomware attack on major agricultural group poses risk to U.S. grain, pork, and chicken supply. Gentlemen, if the fears of inflation or stagflation weren't high enough on your radar, guess what? The hacksores of the world are going to make sure they perpetuate that fear. The U.S. grain, pork, chicken supply could be at risk after a ransomware attack on New Cooperative, Inc., forced the iowa-based agricultural services provider system to go offline out of an abundance of caution we have proactively taken our system offline to contain the threat and we can confirm that it has been successfully contained however they may lose all of their data Uh, the ransomware group black matter uh, encrypted new cooperatives data and stole a thousand gigabytes or a terabyte worth of files, including invoices, research, development documents, and source code and uh, to its soil mapping technology. Hmm. The hacking group asked hmm. for $5.9 million payment in exchange to decryp, decrypt the data. Um, kind of some interesting information here, some backdoor information that somebody, I'm not sure if I can say who got this uh, uh, data for us or not. However, the password chicken1 was common among the company's 120 employees and was used over 10 times. Uh the firm's current executives also had passwords that had been leaked. Boy oh boy, oh boy. Listen. If here here's the thing. They got this contained. They're not going to uh they're not going to pay this. They basically said, "Screw it. We don't need that data that bad. We've got backups of it or whatever the case may be." Um so no worries you know we're just not going to pay it we'll reroute it at least from everything that i read further into this um here's the thing gentlemen we're dealing with uh with with uh with, with with ag here you know we're talking your average age of you know someone in agriculture especially that has gotten their farm to a point to join a co-op and you know be a a, a member of it and stuff i mean that's a the, We're not dealing with a bunch of 22, 23-year-olds out of Silicon Valley here. Uh, We're Hmm. dealing with a bunch of 50, 60-year-olds that are looking at a personal computer like it listens to them when they sleep and they're on the verge of setting it on fire, right? (laughs) So how long was it until this happened? My point and why I wanted to include this is, is where does it go from here? Are we going to see greater increases of attacks on this? How much data is really uh being threatened by this right how much actual interruption of food supply chain can take place with this is it is this just a hype train or is this some some real deal here should this spur all the agricultural companies to take cybersecurity, uh more uh uh, uh more seriously and you know start reaching out to people like um Pink. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i think the
2: big thing here is that in this is not overstating it i don't think is that you know issues like this how you know frequently they occur and more so how frequently they're publicized because clearly they probably occur way more frequently than they are publicized but you know this is this could be right in in, with the right perpetrators right an act of terrorism on the food supply right that's bioterrorism and to me uh just just like you said matt you framed it really really well i i would say is that there's so much right we talked there was an article i don't know if it came on the show or not but we talked about how um i'll see if i can dig that one up i don't think we did talk about that on the show but how there was a backdoor into all of uh Deer's, uh machine control systems right for ag uh, and somebody yeah. you know yeah. so like this is this is the kind of stuff that y- you don't think hey it's not a big deal right you know just because somebody doesn't harvest their field, you don't get to have your you know tostitos with the uh you know the shitty store brand salsa or whatever like no it's much bigger than that and it's it's going to continue to be bigger than that so i don't know maybe that for the uh cybersecurity industry, right? There's a huge uh, untapped niche market of like what you said, old white dudes that don't know how to
1: uh, well do much with a computer other than you know feed the geese. Okay. Uh,
0: I am an expert in cybersecurity. So I would highly recommend. I would highly recommend all farmers across America reach out to Carbon Black. That's all I'm gonna say. Reach out to Carbon Black. Get your get your stuff squared away. Be a driving force and elite force in the industry. Don't be behind the times. Uh, Ray, do you have anything to add? Is there is there something just burning a hole in you right now that you gotta you gotta say about this? I know you I know I know you ran Windows. Whatever it was, because of security reasons. Three point one, three point three point one. Yeah, yeah. The
2: original yeah. Minesweeper.
3: Yeah. yeah the the original uh, original Windows, and I do more than keep software secure. It's also certain uh, you know certain practices. It's like uh, hygiene, for example, uh, wash your hands after you pee, or do number two. Uh, stay away from coughing people. Uh, it, it's just like with a PC. Uh, you have to be really careful about you know what's going on on your PC or your computer, and I'm always monitoring for suspicious activity. Uh, I basically earn all my cookies and. Uh, trackers and uh and data stored offline it's it's like all gone i mean basically come and get me
0: <laughs> well you, you know ray you bring up a good point Cybersecurity should be accepted into someone's life a lot like wiping their rear end and let me tell you in that same vein i think this is a perfect segue into this week's sponsors and that is our patrons our patrons <laughs> Gentlemen, these guys, the patrons of the Burn and Return podcast are very good at wiping their ass and keeping their hands clean afterwards. They know how to wash their hands. They know not to cough on people's faces. They know cybersecurity. And you know what else they do? If they ran into you at an airport bar, they'd buy you a beer. Thank you, patrons. You are the gentlemen and ladies that make the world go round in our little world here. If you are interested in a private ad-free RSS feed, exclusive merch—that's right—we give away free merch to. Uh, uh, if, you, if you look here, look at the look at the the exclusive tiers here, right? Hey, yeah, after three months, you get you get stickers. Uh, but if you're if you're like a super supporter, look at that—you get you get t-shirts at three months, six months, that much. Well, This is going to be custom stuff that we put together, right? And uh, and we do that for you because y'all support us, right? Look, hey, DeMay. How do you like that clicky keyboard?
1: Oh, it's it's extra clicky. Am getting really good at Yeah, it's it's
2: good. I'm getting really good at typing with it on with one hand, and uh, yeah, (laughs) other hand's free for
0: (laughs) executing cybersecurity. We get it. We know what you're doing out there. So patrons, thank you for allowing us to to do this. So we don't have to accept money from Syngenta. To make recommendations that you need to apply Zoxystroben to your Pythium or your Dollar Spot. Not that we would do that. We'd probably lose that sponsorship really fast. So we just want to say thank you to y'all for the continued support. Tough acting Ooh.
1: to <laughs>
0: Where's it at? There it is. Gentlemen, All right. let's dive into this week's Burns. Sheila.
2: <laughs> wreck my She, <laughs> yeah, she-, <laughs> she, was she will str- forever be in a show. yeah, struggling.
0: maybe something not like she swallowed that
2: was something <laughs> like she swallowed an amplifier and something
0: else. Ooxiddiazon: <laughs> graphic logical risk assessment for registration review. Uh, There is a long write-up here. It looks like the EPA is calling into question and taking statements from the end users of, well, let's talk about Ronstar. Ronstar is being put forth again in front of the EPA over the determination of whether or not we should still have access to it. Why is that the case? I don't know. I don't know specifically that answer, and it's not to say that Oxidazone is the uh, most friendly product that could be used out in the environment, but here we are. Here we have an opportunity. It's going to be reevaluated, gentlemen. What is at threat here? Whoa, whoa! Jay Pink got so fired up he had to do got, it twice.
2: No, I was going to say Joe Perry's just you know in our feed tonight. He hears it. That's that's him actually. Joe Perry from Aerosmith plays a guitar track on the intro to Burn. He did. I
0: right. I paid him for that personally.
2: Yes, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Sheila was your groupie. She was the she was the uh, yeah. What? That was that was
0: a hey, fantastic. She was special in '88. I'm telling you. The the is oh, took a hard uh, turn on her, but in '88 <laughs> she was she was there. She had one hell of a hair hairdo. It was a perm. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Rocking. Yeah, you should
1: <laughs> talk to me about. I was going to right? Me, I know. Me, I was going to say. What were we going to say? She-
2: are say
0: about Sheila. Let me hear it. Let me hear it.
2: <laughs> I was going to try and make a joke about Sheila and the dot com boom, but I just could not like connect it in my head to get her into Y two K. But there's definitely four digits in Sheila's.
0: Never mind.
1: <laughs> I was going
2: to go Y two K and get it there, but I couldn't. I couldn't do Sheila, it.
0: Sheila was invested in Netscape, and uh, it just it didn't work out too well for her.
2: Her and Sean Fanning probably had a thing. For sure. So, all right, back to Ronstar. So, Ray, first, why don't you give the folks at home a little background on what Ronstar is. They probably are more attuned to prodiamine, dithiopyr, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe pendimethalin. So, where what is Ronstar? And maybe educate the folks at home that are listening on just what in the hell this is that we're talking about first.
3: Okay. What Ronstar is, or oxidiazon is, is it is a pre-emergent with an extremely different mode of action. What it does is it does not affect cell division at the at the root tips like how your typical prodiamine diseopir or pendimethalin does. Instead, what Ronstar What Oxidizon does is it affects weeds as they emerge from the soil by immediately destroying chloroplasts and leaf tissue as the weed emerges from the soil. Having said that, Ronstar is one of the few herbicides I know of that may safely be used on turf that is subject to high traffic. Warm season turf that has recently been sprigged or plugged or else turf that otherwise has a weakened or compromised root system.
1: So So that sounds
0: like a pretty special tool. Am I right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It
2: is. So in the case of what's going on here, so every 15 years, the EPA looks at everything. They look at every single, active ingredient that's registered, right? And what needs to change, right? Good, bad, and different. And sometimes I'm not sure if I could cite a specific example of them expanding the use of a particular active ray. But in uh, I think did. you've mentioned it. I was gonna say I remember you mentioned that one time. Help me out here.
3: They actually expanded at one time the use of oxidizing a Ron Star. Because previously oh, yeah. Oxidizon was limited to nursery crops and roadside or ornamentals strictly in commercial and industrial buildings but in the 2000s EPA expanded labeling to officially permit usage of Ronstar in residential landscaping not residential turf however that was never allowed
1: but uh, so
3: going back to uh, what Ryan was saying, periodically EPA takes existing products that have been on the, pro- uh, on the market for maybe even decades and they reevaluate the product's uh, safety and efficacy. And in the case of uh, oxidiazon it seems they've decided that uh, risks outweigh benefits unless the product is then limited to a very narrow spectrum of usages, specifically usages that preclude or prevent contact with treated turf or treated plants.
1: So with Ronstar being the type of tool it is, and
0: now up for review, and I believe they allow for comments from the public and users and all that fun stuff, right? And, you know, I think we just saw uh, something similar with uh, with Paraquat, right? And Mm -hmm. now the EPA is being sued over approving another 15 years of use of Paraquat. Will there be regulatory impacts because of the pressure they're receiving on that in an effort to uh, uh, save face of sorts to now extend, you know, maybe maybe exert a little bit more control over something that has a relatively narrow field of use, right? That's mostly non-agricultural, from what I understand. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Um, it's non-agricultural. Strictly
3: wor- non-agricultural.
1: It is not so. Is this either.
0: where they're going to step up and be like, uh, "Well, you know what? We 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 didn't get rid of Parquat, but you know we can go ahead and get rid of Ronstar because it's not affecting agricultural communities. It only it only hits the uh, the the professional turf sector, and uh, it's a trade, right? It's an even trade. Like, hey, you didn't get Paraquat, but you got Ronstar, Cool Your Jets, kind of sort of thing.
3: Okay, I actually. Don't see it as that, Matt. You know what I see this as? I see this as an overall targeting of existing chemistries where there is no real smoking gun. In the case of even oxidized on a Ronstar. I don't think there ever was.
1: Because... Here in Hawaii, at least, every
3: single landscape person, every single nursery grower knows what the hell Ronstar is, and they use a lot of it. They use a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: it's it's incredibly effective, and I know, and this is something that you know Ryan can talk about too. Is that from a sports field application, uh, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, you, especially when it comes to establishment, and you don't have to worry about root pruning. I mean, what an awesome tool in the toolbox. And you, you, you. Okay. I, I guess let, let me let me rephrase it. Do you think that we are in a position where we may lose Ronstar?
3: Ah. Uh. That is uh to me a foregone conclusion, and here's why really? okay here's why uh forgive me for you know bringing politics onto the show, but I'm frequently haunted by this statement that says elections have consequences because. The other week on Burn and Return, we were talking about chlorpyrifos uh, going away from agriculture in America, even though chlorpyrifos was used under very stringent restrictions. Chlorpyrifos was actually made a federal RUP net. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. But what I see. Or, you know, my finger up in the wind, what what that's detecting is we are going to see so many products yanked off the market in the next three years. Well, we're going to see a lot not. of stuff go away. No, we're going to see this, it go away. <laughs> you
0: know, what, what makes this an easy target is that it has such a narrow field of use, right? This, is, this does not have the same economic impact that... Um, uh, you know, glyphosate does, for example, right? We pull glyphosate right now. People are going to start starving to death. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. no doubt about it. They pull oxidiazon, who, who starts starving. Well, it's the guys who do sports fields. It's the guys who use it in landscape beds, right? Those, those are mm-hmm. the ones that are impacted. And so when they start, you know, you know, juggling, uh, the, the cards there, it's like, well, you know, do we affect people's food supply chain or, uh, do we do this other service that we foresee as a, as a luxury? Do we, we see sports as a luxury. Therefore, if we get rid of it uh, in this particular scenario and we're having to deal with, uh, this is the part that drives me crazy though. What Ronstar accomplishes Ryan, I'm glad you're back. I almost spoke for you. I wanted you to, to bring this up. Ray made the comment that he sees Ronstar going away as a definitive, like pretty much write it off. If that were the case, if that were the case, how do you alter your management strategies knowing Ron Ronstar's off the table? What does that look like?
2: I wouldn't say that it's devastating, but it's going to make, things a lot more difficult and when i say more difficult not just from a management strategy right and how we would go about laying out a plan or anything like that but you know ultimately it's going to require more uh pesticide applications right to control the same things i could with a pre-emergent and be very effective at that now i'm going to have to probably make um, probably multiple applications right To effectively control the weeds that I'm typically trying to curtail with that, you know, namely if we're using it in an established turf stand. So go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. Go.
3: Okay. My question for you, Ryan, is what are you targeting RONSTAR with? Because I'll answer after uh, what the landscape and uh, turf industry here in Hawaii targets uh, with RONSTAR. What are you targeting with RONSTAR as far as the pre-emergent control?
2: So two different scenarios here, right? So in established Bermuda grass, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously targeting POA, right? Um, And that's really the big selling point, right? That we can get um, 60 days of good control, find a happy medium right in there between our seed window and hit, um, you know, two rounds of it essentially and be good, right? For the year. Second application would be newly establishing sprigs. And it's a critical piece there, right? For... Summer annuals, so particularly crabgrass, goosegrass, a few others, but those are the big ones, right? That we're trying to target. So, if you lose that, right? Now you tell me this, right? You've got a juvenile stand of whatever vegetative Bermuda grass that you have, right? And now I've got, you know, let's just say we're six weeks in, right? We're pretty much covered. We're eighty plus percent covered. What are you going to go out and control, crabgrass? and emerged goosegrass with at that point? And is it a one-and-done type of deal? Because in my estimation, it wouldn't be.
3: Okay, I'm familiar with following the law and not applying Ronstar to recently sprigged residential turf because, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that is strictly against the label. You can only do that on sports fields, sod farms, and golf courses.
2: Ray, real quick on that. What if I told mm-hmm. you that in one of the big-time lawn care Facebook groups that there was mm-hmm. a professional, a professional, right, somebody who gets paid to do this, that was advocating for the use of Ronstar as a professional to apply to clients and customers' yards? How would enraged
0: you would you be? In- that, I, well, my, my question is is... How much of us potentially losing Ronstar is a result of that?
2: That, I I really don't know. I don't know that answer.
3: I I don't know. Well, actually, here's my my guess, though. Uh, The EPA does a lot of what's called risk calculation. And their risk calculation is based on... Jackasses that don't follow the label and they apply, for example, to areas where there is human contact lightly. And here's the second place where these same applicators are not following the label and increasing human exposure. They are not watering in after they make the application and that is provided for on the label that the applicator must water in. But To answer your question, Ryan, here's what I'd have to do to clean up turf that got emerged crabgrass and goosegrass soon after seeding or sprigging. Mm -hmm. I'd be applying a combination of revolver, Celsius, and Quicksilver. And I'd be doing it a few weeks after the sprigs had begun to root. I'd be doing Hard it very cooler. early in the, in the life cycle of the turf. I'd be doing an almost burn and return soon after the, the baby grass got put in the ground or, you know, I've been working with sprigged, you know, Bermuda and zoysia grass in St. Augustine, you know, for the last 30 years. Here's what I used to use. And I don't like the environmental profile of these two herbicides in the old days, what I used to apply to recently
1: sprig warm season turf, Matt, earmuffs maybe,
3: atrazine what? or simazine.
1: I, I don't have the
0: balls to do that. Like, he, he, you know, I was reading in the show notes where you did that. I, I just knew, knew Bermuda grass, not a chance in hell. I could not wrap my brain around no, it enough to get I did that it
3: done. I, I did it. I mean... Two pounds per acre of uh princep ninety d f followed by another pound of it uh forty five days later Wow! there oh, meat there there may be some Banville in it Damn! <laughs> yeah because and that was what I did to remain in compliance with the prohibition against applying. Ronstart to residential turf. Nowadays I'm a lot more team in that I'll use an extremely low rate of prodiamine combined with isoxabin soon after sprigging.
0: So now you've gone from applying one product to a minimum of four, right? Mm -hmm. Could be could even possibly be five active ingredients now that you're having to use in replace of one. That's Nuck and futs.
3: Thank you, thank you. That that is crazy, and it's also as expensive as Ronstar is. It gets even more expensive when you got to do a two-product pre-emergent, and then you have to make a three-product post-emergent application. And oh, by the way, you know that QuickSilver, certain uh, Celsius, maybe even Certainty in there, and Revolver tank mix, Ryan, Mm -hmm. I never call that a one and done. I count on doing it twice. (sighs) I I count on dropping that down twice, 30 days apart. So I'm doing like a shit ton of spraying. And how is this good, Matt?
0: I don't know. I Ryan, what, what, what what can we do? <laughs> can we do anything? Is it is
1: it like Yeah, has, there's there's
2: there's a what, there's a comment thing. And and Jay Pink, if you can throw up that link that you found, there is a way to comment to the EPA, right? And those mm-hmm. comments will be open through October 4th, right? So what is that? Uh not this coming Monday but the following Monday. And really what what needs to happen, right, is, you know, just a lot of that same thing of what we just said. If you wrote in a comment that just says, listen, this makes sense for, you know, um, sports turf users in particular to be able to have access to this product for the reason being that, you know, this is one product on the ground versus up to five products on the ground for, you know, multiple applications. And in that sense, right, if we're going to have higher exposure rates, in terms of, you know, the the actual exposure of athletes to this turf. This isn't like passively used turf in most cases. Uh the time period with which Ronstar is active and could pose any type of human risk is much lower than what it would be if we were using post emergent herbicides only. So if there's a way to do that, yeah, submit a formal comment right up there. Please, even if you're a homeowner, anything will help. Right, so
3: yeah, because promise you do not
0: get drunk and just and just word vomit into that about things that do not pertain to Ronstar, right? Like don't don't drink a fifth of whiskey, get on there and make claims about five G and lizard people and that fun stuff.
1: Keep it coherent.
3: Yes, please. please do because on my end, do you know where I'm going to regret not having Ronstar anymore? The lanes cleaning...
2: you. Oh, I thought you were going to say the flat earth. Then I think we would have went full no. circle there. But
3: No, I'd, re- I'd regret not having Ronstar for landscape use because Ronstar is the reason why I'm not on my hands and knees with a little knife every week underneath customers' shrubs and hedges and uh, landscape areas. Ronstar is one of the reasons why I'm not doing that. Because that Ronstar flowable or Ronstar wettable powder applied one time gives me three to four months of no weeds.
1: Just as simple There's as no that. no doubt about it. Anybody
0: that's used Ronstar in a professional capacity has nothing bad to say about it. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. it no. keeps you going back for more. I mean, it was that was on every football and baseball field I ever treated. That was what i used because it just simply performed to expectations every time mm. um to bring up ray's favorite topic here i thought i would just uh interject <laughs> with this article real quick a uh, man who was part of a lawn crew murdered two at lufkin home officials say michael rodriguez was part of the lawn care crew working on the yard oh. when he murdered them and Ray, I'm not saying uh, you're a murderer. I'm just saying that have a, a, a unique understanding of murderers. <laughs> just, I'm digging myself in a deeper hole here. Michael, Mike Rodriguez, 28, this piece of shit, was arrested Sunday, September 18th, for the murders of Carolyn Price and Cecil Sheffield at a Lufkin home. According to the arrest warrant, Rodriguez killed the pair at a home located at 103 home street. The warrant States Rodriguez oh, beat the shit. couple with a claw hammer, head <laughs> trimmers, a dowel rod or other blunt force tools. He was part of the lawn care crew working on the yard when he murdered them. It's believed he knocked on the door, got permission to go inside the residence from Carolyn and walked in after finding the side door unlocked. Uh, and then he's very violent and they blame him for the death of their father. He's being held on a $5 million bond. Holy
3: shit, boys! Goodness me, goodness! The
0: motive was theft or robbery. Yet, yeah, th- 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 thanks for highlighting that, Jay Pink. Wow, what a nutcase!
3: That is crazy. That is one eight seven lawn care
2: right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: damn. I had a I very
0: mean, tasteless joke about man. being called the lawn boy and losing your shit, <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to repeat it, even though I just kind of did but this is terrible. I mean, like absolutely 100%, this is terrible. And I think it was actually on last episode, we were talking about the necessity of, I don't know. I just had music come through my ears. That was weird. Uh, We were talking about how, you know, is, is, you know, lawn care continues to move forward. One of the things that is going to become a thing is having trustworthy people on your property, right? So that this does not happen. Uh, and I think this is one of those instances. I'm sure it's, it's, it's an odd man. I don't know how many lawn care companies turn into murderous assholes and attack their customers, but the, when these things happens, it gets into people's heads and it freaks them out. And you know, all of a sudden it, it becomes under a, uh, uh, under, under the gun, uh, under the guise of, of lawn care, right? It's a, it's a stain and people think about it. And that's when, you know, wanting to see background checks, wanting to see whatever, you know the, the the customers will start asking for it because they're scared.
2: That's just I mean I I I got to find out more about this. Like, did they know this guy? Like, had a short fuse? Like what? Like there's there's got to be something there, right? Like it's uh, unless this guy is just literally insane, like, and just walked in there and murdered these people for no reason. I don't know. This is like some true crime shit, and I don't like getting into that, but. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, they were
0: sixty-eight and seventy-seven years old. I mean, he's trying to rob him.
2: He's trying to rob him. He's just trying to rob him. Trying
0: to rob him. This is crazy. He has a history of violence with eighteen prior arrests in Angelina County on charges like aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, engaging in organized criminal activity, possession of controlled substance, assault, family violence, and a DWI. What,
2: What do you think the odds are? that they ran a background check on this guy legitimately. You th- I'm, I'm saying that they probably don't even run background checks. They were probably just like, I made the joke, the joke earlier. Hey, you can fog a mirror. Guess what? You're on the Mo crew.
3: Yeah. yeah I, want, because, I seriously wonder. Because here's, you know, my experience with this is that as a, you know, from what I've seen over the years is that a lot of service companies, at least here in my state, they ask and follow up on things like uh, criminal records and even traffic abstracts, okay? mm mm-hmm. In other words, uh, if you rear-ended somebody and uh, killed their moor uh, the other month, uh, you might not get hired. If you have a history of beating people up, even if it's your own family member, You're probably not going to get hired. Doing drugs? Forget it. I mean, that is why, for example, I can see how some people are just not employable, okay? And they do a lot more than does the mirror fog when you hold it in front of your mouse. They do a lot more than that. I mean, they literally check up on people.
2: When you said eat people, my mind, as weird as it is, went immediately to silence of the lawns.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: was, I was going to Florida, man. I probably shouldn't have done that.
1: <laughs> right, speaking, but, that's just but, me but speaking of,
2: about UT football. That's all. Speaking of Florida, man, though, let's talk about Florida, man,
0: that can't pay his bills. Oh, Lord have mercy. That was the segue of segue. And and listen, this is this is old news, but I wanted to bring it up for the, the purpose of stating that, uh, unfortunately, this can happen to anyone. Uh, Anuvia plant nutrients, which converts human waste and food industry byproducts into fertilizer, will default on about $50 million of municipal bonds issued in 2018 as part of a debt restructuring, the company said, in a securities filing. Anuvia does not have enough cash to make January one interest payments on the debt. Anuvia has operated the Zellwood Florida facility since July one. And you can read the security filings here and it's pretty interesting. It goes into more detail. Apparently their effort to scale production by taking their base material, they manufacture and blending it was part of a joint venture project with a famous fertilizer company, especially out of Florida, also known as mosaic. Um, so they had raised a significant amount of money through uh, municipal bonds and unfortunately it just didn't pan out. Uh subsequent to December 31st 2019 the parents made additional advances to the company in the aggregate amount of approximately 5.66 million and in, in addition to that approximately 20 million and another one in addition to that of approximately 20 million More and it, it was not operated for 6 months. So um and the whole reason I bring this up is just to, to point out that no matter what good idea gets put out there, uh, bad things can happen. And the, so I had someone tell me one time that said the fertilizer industry is a full contact sport. Case in point, there we go. Uh, no one is uh, is, is safe <laughs> from the CTE of fertilizer. No safe space. There's no safe space no good man no good it's a it's a dog eat dog world out there
2: and that's that's what i'm saying is that you know we i understand it's speculative money and everybody's trying to catch lightning in a bottle and all this kind of stuff but um i get your message right that that it could happen to anybody and even though it may be a good product and even though it might be a well-run company for whatever reason that they couldn't come up with just the money to make these interest payments just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this other than you You got to give people some grace. Right. And if you think, you know, if you want to come out and talk smack about um, a company and, and how shitty they are or something like that is go run your own business first and see how it is. Right. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Be careful or I'll send you a sticker pack.
3: absolutely I mean this is just uh, unfortunate and Matt how much of this do you think has to do with how the entire world has been turned upside down in the last 20 months I'm
0: sure it has everything and beyond to do with it Um, you know they said their production costs were still incredibly high I'm sure there's a portion of that that, uh, you know, relates to, uh, is, it, is it, oh, sorry, that's that's on my end. Uh, let me close that. Okay. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, uh, you know, rising cost of, of raw materials to do this, right? So they have a hydrolysis mm-hmm. process that's going to require a lot of sulfuric acid, a lot of anhydrous ammonia. Uh, they have to have a constant supply from a waste stream. They also had to tack on a wastewater treatment facility to the back end of their product to make sure the water that was exiting their facility was was top notch. I mean, all of these are gi- gigantic undertakings. Not for the faint of heart. It takes a highly prized team of engineers and all the above in order to put that together and make it all work correctly. And when you're a startup, Anuvia is a startup. And you're operating on a fixed budget without, you know, 30 years of of financial backing in history to be able to go to a bank and say, hey, look, we've got this history, you know, take a risk on us kind of sort of thing. You you get painted into situations that you don't necessarily feel comfortable with. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is just to walk away. And uh, we're going to chalk that one up as a loss, boys because it
1: got a little too wild in there. Oh, well. Hey, full contact sport, right? Hey, are you hurt
0: or are you injured, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only my ego. Gentlemen, let's check in on this week's returns.
1: <skateboarding>
0: Boys, leave it to the Canadians because they are up to no good again. Well, Maine is a part of Canadian, right? <laughs> Mainers are racing customized lawnmowers at breweries for fun. All the familiar sights and sounds of the drag race are there. The thrum of the engine, the eager hoots from the sideline crowd, whirling tires kicking up dust as they rip towards the finish line. However, these riders aren't whizzing by on souped up sports cars; They're on ride on top lawnmowers. Everything from standard stock mowers putting along, putting along to expertly modified machines tearing down the track at 40 miles an hour. It's a way for the Thunder Valley Mowing Racing Club out of Lincolnville to satisfy its need for speed, and it has become something of a local phenomenon in doing so. (laughs) Mainers are no strangers to racing weird and wonderful homemade crafts, uh, crafts like uh, lobster boats to carved pumpkin canoes. However, mowers are their new thing. It's cheap. It's fun entertainment. You don't have to have a lot of money invested. Guys that have a lawn care business can mow on Friday, unload Saturday, and my fucking compete here we are we have entered 2021 with an absolute splash and we are racing lawnmowers in the united states of america i don't know i think
3: it's great i think it's great hey this is taking me back to uh one of the first episodes of uh, home improvement with tim allen with special guest Bob Vila.
1: We have the for model mower.
3: Yeah, yeah. With the uh, extra engine where uh, Patricia Rich- Richardson is uh, yelling at him, Tim, shut that thing off.
0: <laughs> Another fun fact from here, they have between 300 and 400 spectators at these events.
1: That's
2: a lot of people, Matt Martin. Let yeah. me ask you a question: How many intoxicating substances would you need to have in your bloodstream to have a good time with this?
0: Oh, just one. Yeah, all I need is what one. Would that be? I, 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 it would be, it would be a whiskey. I'd have a whiskey, and I would be all over it. And, and I'll tell you, I'm not the racing kind of guy. I've had enough car accidents that I don't, I don't like to go fast. But I do enjoy watching other people go real fast. I would be in the stands with my shirt off in the Canadian weather of Maine um, cheering these guys on with everything I got. Look, they even have the racetrack tied off with empty kegs. Do you see that? Yeah, I saw that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They may not be empty, guys. Those may be full. (laughs) Those could be full of cold beer, and you just take your own tap. I don't know what kind of beer drinking goes on in Maine, but I know what kind of beer drinking goes on in Canada. Those guys may carry taps in their back pocket and just walk up to the keg, fill their beer, go sit in the stands. Look, they got smokers out there and everything. This is my general Lee. I'm not Look, at Look at this. Look at this.
1: General Lee. Yeah.
0: That, yeah he's got a wheelie bar, guy.
3: He's got a wheelie bar. Yeah. You saw that, Matt? Oh, they, they all got Look wheel- at this right there. You know what? That Radio engine right there. Visual. That might be the what is that? Cummins makes a four cylinder engine. I saw the black smoke. So
0: <laughs> cruising and like boozin'. That. that guy has a sticker right on the side with flames. And look how quick it is. My goodness. That thing's got some torque.
2: I, I like Telly Coleman's thing here. Like we need to make this competitive and put like eight inch high grass out in front of them. Right? <laughs> I think I said that before when we were talking about the one up in Canada. Like, I want to see these mm-hmm. dudes mow through some stuff. Look at that. man. Serious yep. stuff. This is a no joke. He's putting have it, at
1: here. It. Look oh, at this. He put an Allison
0: transmission. Actually, wait, wait, lawn
2: pause lawn. it, pause it, pause it, pause it. Look at this. It's either have at it, right? Or you could read it as have a tip. <laughs> 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 just like just like heard ferguson god rest his soul would say therapists are the rapists
0: right? <laughs> swords are not I'll swords they're
2: s words
3: i i think Everybody i, I think it's norm
0: it abrams and norm mcdonald
2: yeah, McDonald's. Everybody needs you got you got, you no, got Bob Biela in your mind, and then you start Norm yeah, Abrams. Sorry about that. Nom. Yeah. you got a biscuit and a vagina. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so many Saturday mornings of my life were spent watching Norm Abrams, uh, the woodworker all right, of all woodworkers,
0: here. yeah, from Nantucket, the, the Nantucket hero, the pirate of Nantucket, whatever you want to call I'm gonna it. tell you, know.
2: this is the true a story. Star. This is a true story. Oh, my younger brother and I know my younger brother was a huge Nam fan and he would watch this stuff religiously, right? Um, I'm pretty certain between the ages of like 13 and 18, we broke every piece of furniture in our house at one point or another, dicking around, doing something or another, And my brother was able to fix every single thing without my parents ever knowing, right? no way mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah worst one worst one we had the the really nice uh wooden chairs in the dining room with like the little spindles like the dowel rods that went up behind them and all yeah.
3: that uh-oh
2: tackled i we were playing full contact football in the house which you shouldn't do by the <laughs> way if any kids are watching it's not not advised cracked two of them in half expertly puts one back together or puts them both back together Gets them all nudged up in there. This is a norm trick that he saw at one point or another. Takes uh, this clear scotch tape, wraps it around old English and a little bit of uh, urethane on top. Nobody ever knew. No way. Swear to God. Swear to God. Cracked a, cracked a no. recliner in half. In half, guys. I think we were like wrestling or something like that, and he tried to do a full suplex and missed, and hit the recliner, cracked it in half. Two hours later, the entire inside of it was rebuilt. the The recliner fe- feature still functioned. Everything. <laughs> Parents never knew that. But. So you know, we're getting ready to move out, and and my dad's like, "Hey, you think we should keep that chair?" Or like, "No, just get rid of it, dude. Just put it out the curb and let someone take care of that." But that's nom, right? <laughs> nom. Educational TV at its finest right there. PBS, man.
1: We'll get, get in, in Saturday, morning, or... right? Yeah. Yeah. Easiest get Saturday it morning, right? Yeah. Easy Saturday morning. Yeah. This last
0: one here. Clemson Research aims to help South Carolina farmers meet demand for more nutritious legumes i kind of picking off the top here. Organic farming sometimes has a bad reputation for producing legumes with lower nutritional quality, but some Clemson University researchers believe field peas and lentils can be grown organically and still have improved nutrient quality. The researchers, uh, Deal, Thavaraj, uh, Stephen Krusevich, and Lucas Boatwright, (laughs) it's going to make you laugh to me, uh, they have received a four-year, one-point-two <laughs> million-dollar grant from the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture. My goodness, what a what, what what the departments we have are out of control. It's too much to establish organic breeding pipeline for field pea and lentil cultivars with higher protein quality, digestibility, color, texture, flavor that are suitable for organic production. Their goal is to develop cultivars suitable for the southern climate, especially South Carolina and North Carolina organic production systems. So. There's a couple reasons why I wanted to uh, uh, put this in here as a return, even though I still feel like there's a little bit of a burn in here, right? That for the most part, the nutritive quality of these organically grown uh, uh, vegetable proteins sucks when they're grown organically. However, uh, South Carolina here is working to develop and and, and breed some cultivars that are showing good performance when grown under uh, organic constraints. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I think it's, it's, it's good that they're having to, to go that way. Right. Because as we all know, fertilizer only takes you so far, then you're kind of at the mercy of genetics. Right. And, uh, and somebody's, somebody's looking at that. How do you, how do you propagate the genetics in such a way to perform on the growing conditions that you give it?
1: it's Absolutely. you know it,
2: this is uh, matt or i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm, I'm just gonna say real quick my, my only comment on this is just this is probably what needs to happen right and we need to f- identify how big the delta right the gap is between what is quote-unquote sustainable right for what these folks want to do which is fine and, and well-meaning and I, I get it but compared to where we're at right now because we don't know right we don't know how achievable this is at least from my point of view so let's see what happens ray what do you got
3: I'm going to take it from, I guess, the uh, chemistry point of view and not in what you guys are are thinking in that, do you know what the issue is with legumes? As far as human nutrition goes, legumes Uh, are full of what they call anti-nutrients. And what an anti-nutrient is, is an anti-nutrient is something where if you ingest an anti nutrient no matter how many other vitamins minerals etc you're consuming that anti nutrient will literally cause you to become malnourished and so part of the effort towards you know making crops more nutritious is you've got to breed out or get rid of the anti nutrients because by the way most of our vegetables, for example, all started as extremely bitter greens and crops that were full of anti-nutrients. But with selective breeding, etc., a lot of those characteristics and traits got selected against, and so now we have uh, more succulent and uh, tasty, and hopefully less toxic. Uh, you know produce where with legumes that kind of effort i don't hear of or see of uh that happening because for example soybean they have yet to successfully get rid of the phytoestrogens contained in soybean
0: yeah and there's there's other ones too right i think one of the most popular is spinach and the oxalates in spinach right can be a problem mm-hmm. uh legumes spe- specifically protease inhibitors tannins in tea uh avidin in in raw eggs right i've i've heard mm-hmm. of all of those as you know being causing issues i've never heard the term anti nutrients before but i like the the phrase of that and i totally get it um so it it makes sense and you know i i think I go back to the genetic standpoint, right? That it's, it's all about improved genetics and you know, what they ran into here is organic. And I'll, I'll quote from, uh, uh, Thavaraja, I think is actually how to pronounce his last name. Uh, organic plant-based proteins are popular because they're a clean source of protein without added chemicals, but organically grown pulse crops, which in this instance, pulse crops are going to be these, uh, higher protein, uh, plants, uh, have yeah. lower protein content levels and are more expensive. So it kind of goes into this. If you can, if you can genetically uh, 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 breed these plants to produce in an organically sustainable type of growing medium, then it's also I, I would think it parlays into uh, increasing the nutritive value through selectively breeding away some of these, uh, you know, or at least lower levels of anti nutrients. Right.
1: I,
3: I would. We'll so, see. Because... Right. Yeah, Who knows? So. I, I, I see. I hope hope so. See, because, uh, you know, that phrase, that word pulses, Mm -hmm. that is a word that you only hear in India and Pakistan. And one of the researchers is definitely from India. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thabaraja is, is definitely, is definitely an Indian guy. Um, yep. and I think that's you know uh, uh, lentils in India is a uh, India is a huge consumer of lentils, right? That's kind of a staple yes. backbone of their cuisine, right? So makes okay. sense. I'm glad somebody's looking at it, especially if it is it can be a a safe, cheap, all you know alternative protein source because um, I think it's important to diversify uh, protein sources. But again, as long as you're not you know bringing about a bunch of uh you know. No. <laughs> I'm I'm not even gonna go there again.
1: <laughs> I had a
0: I had a I had a high estrogen comment that was gonna
1: sneak in there and I just it was going sideways. It was too much. <laughs> we were gonna get banned. <laughs> okay. Outstanding. dot <laughs>
0: com forward slash the grass factor. Get your estrogen wronged right out of your body. Uh, closing remarks, gentlemen. Do y'all have anything? There's one thing I do want to bring up is the uh, this week's Thirsty Thursday. We have an extra special guest, another Tennessee man, a man of all men, a motherfucker, uh, uh, a damn helicopter pilot who blackhawk your ass in the middle of the night, pick you up, sneak you out. And
1: <laughs> pretty sure he
2: flew an Apache, but whatever. It's all the same,
0: right? Oh, that's right. He was an yeah. Apache pilot. Telly- yes, man <laughs> telly coleman is on and i am so excited finally we've got another tennessee guy on here and oh, man stoked.
2: stoked jay pink's gonna have to have probably four fingers on the dump button at all times thursday night. <laughs> there's no doubt about it no doubt about it pretty much I'm looking forward to it, though. Tally Coleman will be a fantastic guest. He does some interesting stuff for a homeowner, even in Tennessee, you know? Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah.
2: Even Tennessee. So, Interesting
3: right. is uh, a way to put it. No.
2: <laughs> interesting sure. is a way to put it. Gentlemen, it was fantabulous. Sheila, I hope your beak gets deep. That's all I got. <laughs>
0: All right, let's go head over to the Discord, and we're going to pick out who wins the title of today's episode.
3: See ya! All right.
0: See ya. Ah!